I'm Christian Chiller. Welcome to my podcast, an enthusiastic ramble through whatever has taken my interest the past week or so. Expect technology, games, history, travel, geekery, and as always, much, much more. Welcome to another Chinchilla Squeaks with me, Christian Chiller. I am using a new microphone. I don't know if this is going to make any difference, <laughs> but we'll see. It's not going to make a lot of difference to the interviews in this episode because they are from Web Summit back in November. And the usual caveat applies to all my interviews from events. They are noisy. The first one is with Arena and Dimitri from Datum, and that one is very noisy. They're actually not so bad, but as always in this case, I have re-recorded some of my questions. In some cases, I couldn't even hear what I was asking, so, <laughs> so that's an interesting one. But anyway, and then the second one is with Anna from Viseven. Now, these are both Ukrainian companies. Datum is more on the developer side, looking at data manipulation, data migration, that kind of thing for you data scientists and analysts out there. And then Viseven is actually a medical tech marketing company and that isn't normally a company i would cover but we had a very interesting conversation initially about ukraine's digital identity and bureaucracy tool dear i can't think of a better way to describe it and then a little bit more about yes marketing in an industry such as health tech and also how all that relates to what is happening in ukraine at the moment so that is some of the Web Summit interviews. There'll be some more coming in the coming weeks, but I thought I'd group those two together because of the two interviewees. And I hope you enjoy. I'll be back with you after the interviews. And before they begin, just a few quick words from sponsors. We're a startup in the area of data management, and we're trying to automate the data transformation world. Basically, the idea is that the data right now in our world is stored in, in many shapes, formats, uh, in, different, in different systems. And when you need to combine all this data from multiple sources and put it into one single database, usually it's a problem. Problem in two ways. Uh, you need to hire somebody who literally will open each and every table, look into uh, these tables and identify what kind of data is there. That is a time-consuming process. Uh, and secondly, in order to scale, you need to hire more and more such people because if you want to process more data, you need more manpower to, to do that. So nowadays, most of the companies solving this problem manually, hiring these people, so their costs, they are growing. We've been doing that for many years as well. We have a, an expertise of 20 plus years of, of data management and data science, but decided at some point of time that we no longer want to waste our life on that. And it introduced AI into this process. So basically, our AI is able to scan the data, to name, name the data, saying that, okay, I have found person name, person surname, person address, whatever I have found. Well, let's call it like labeling the data. And we can make some transformations, normalization of the data, and which is the most important, we match the source with the destination. So we're suggesting, our AI is suggesting how data from the source can match the data from the destination. And we generate these results on the UI. 
So the idea is that usually when the data discovery process happens, teams usually consist of two, minimum two persons. So one is data engineer who's putting everything in code, right? And data analyst who knows the data. So in our case, we need data analysts who will check the results of the AI. What is the suggestion? and correct the AI if something was uh, chosen in a wrong way. And data can be moved from uh, point A to point B, just clicking one button. So that's the idea. We're trying to reduce all this manual work and all the unnecessary work on data discovery and data preparation. So what kind of data can you input and output? In terms of inputs, we're working with a, a tabular data, basically anything that has a structure. So we don't work with videos, we don't work with pictures, uh, uh, mostly with the databases, uh, with files, uh, flat files or call files, with APIs. So that's uh, the data that we can get from. And in terms of let's call, like connectors, so we use this uh, for movement of the data from A to B, we're using the system which is called Airbyte. Basically, it's a set of already developed connectors. So we're not developing uh, each and every new connector from the scratch. We just take it out of the box. And of course, if there is something is missing in that, if there is any project that requires some additional connector, then we can do it as a customization. And it can go both ways. So you can read and write to those sources if some kind of API exists. If it doesn't, then we will create it. Is there any special consideration for some of these very aging systems that maybe predate more common API thoughts, I don't know, old versions of Oracle databases or something like that? Uh, if it's a, uh, well, the databases, it's a little bit easier because we are able to process several types of databases from the very beginning. So we can scan. So you just need to give us like a database, put it to S3 or any bucket where you can store the data and say, here is the database and just grab it from there. So if, the, if there is another way is that if any of the product can, can produce some kind of extraction in a way of, I don't know, set of files or CSVs or whatever. So we can grab it as well, because the most important is actually not to parse, the most important part is like not to parse the data itself, but basically understand what to do with that when the data is available how to bring it into the new structure. So this is the most uh, time-consuming and the most important work. And are those transformations in batches or can you also stream from sources into it? It can stream. This Airbyte system, which is an open source system, yeah. it allows to schedule any types of uh, scheduling capabilities uh, for any type of recurrency. So you can make, like grab, uh, grab the data every minute, every month, every whatever schedule you want to, or you can make it real time. And what kind of transformations do you support? Address checking, duplicate, deduplication, etc. Yeah, we have, as a part of our own implementation, we have the duplication scenario, definitely. And also we have integrated the chat GPT into our tool. So basically, if chat GPT can do the transformations, then we can do it as well. Okay, and why should we trust ChatGPT? It's known to be quite wrong sometimes. That's true. Um, in our case, you're putting, you're writing the prompt. We show you like we show you a sample of the of data set, for example, two hundred rows. You write a prompt, and you immediately see the result. 
it's up to you to scroll the, uh, the results that you got and see whether it's correct or not. So that's how it works. And can I set those transformations as kind of default actions from then on? Yes, uh, basically the, the whole idea is actually to set the transformation once. You set it up for all types of fields and uh, all types of transformations that you need to do and leave it as is. Uh, so all the data that goes through this exact transformation um, will go through it eventually till the time that uh, you just stop it or uh, modify it. How old is the company now? Almost two years. And why? What was the journey that brought Datum into existence? So the company, actually, the story of that, of the whole implementation actually started from another business of our founder who was building an analytical solution on the Polish market and in the area of car dealership. And at, the same, at that time, there was like they were trying to build like an analytic for the whole Polish market of car dealerships and they identified 12 different CRM systems that were most popular through the country and they had to eventually somehow download the data from all these 12 different CRM systems and put it into one single database to produce the analytics and the result that they wanted to achieve. They went to like a regular IT service providers and the estimation was three years and five persons. And of course, none of the small companies that is on their very beginning would allow them uh, allow themselves actually to do something like with a three years, so it will be just useless. So that exact solution at that moment requested some automation and some innovative ideas. That's basically how Datum appeared, because there was a task they had to solve it somehow, and uh, Dmitry started to play with the technology and uh, improve it uh, in a way that the piece of uh, their implementation become uh, became like a part of uh, Datum, uh, Datum's core functionality today. <laughs> How's it been going recently then? What's your funding like? What are the customers, etc.? That's a nice question. Customers are usually better than funding. Yeah, that's what I agree with you because right now all the startups are a little bit struggling with getting the funding. So we got funding like a year ago by just talking to our friends and to our ex-colleagues and to like pitching the idea. And basically we could have raised $500,000 for that. And another 200000 we got from Seed Fund, uh, which is uh, like a, a small Ukrainian fund who believed in us. So that uh, these were the money that we're still using and, and uh, we were able to get at that moment. So we, are st- we have started a new round like several months ago and hopefully we will be able to close it. Let's see. In terms of traction, it also goes, there were some pitfalls, let's call it like this, uh, on this way. Of course, like uh, the war in Ukraine uh, a little bit pushed us back in terms of uh, operations because we had to relocate the business and uh, relocate people and actually settle down in new countries and uh, start maybe uh, uh, some processes all were on. But uh, right now we are fully functioning and uh, we have around uh, 10 paying customers, which is maybe not so bad. Let's call it like this. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but still, it's an early traction. And like here on the Web Summit, uh, I was mostly focused on finding the partners rather than the fundings, uh, just to make sure that we're showing more traction and we'll be able to close the round uh, so- sooner. 
Hopefully sooner or later. And the space you're working in is obviously a common problem that many people have, but you have built on top of an open source solution at its core. And if customers, if, if potential customers know that, what do you add on top of that stops them just using that open source component instead of using you? Yeah, so first of all, have you ever tried to talk to a data engineer and suggest him data migration project? Yeah, so most of the time people just hate this job. And uh, to find the right data engineer who will figure out what to do with, with the data, is uh, you will find the gold. Uh, so it's rather hard and expensive. A lot of right now, for example, we're focused on small and medium businesses. They just don't have money for like hiring a dedicated data engineer or data team for that. But they still need to solve this problem. Think about any analytical or SaaS analytical solution in this world. In order to onboard their clients, they still need to ask them, okay, clients, give, uh, now give us your data. And each and every client will give you the data in different format. And imagine that they still need to grow, right? So the bigger amounts of clients they sign and the, the faster they do the onboarding, the faster they will start getting the money and show the growth. And this is the problem. They, a, they should hire more and more engineers and make their operations more expensive or bring some, some new thing, some automation into this process. So that is one thing. Uh, another thing is that uh, we have a partner in uh, IT outsource, and they state that right now it's more hard, more hard, like harder to sell clients just hours. Clients are looking for innovative solutions that will eventually save uh, their money. And in order to get into partnership with big, bigger, basically any company, you still need to bring them something valuable. It's not just people, but also either some super expertise or so, uh, like some super product that will help them to save also their monies. And uh, that's how we sell data. And uh, one more thing to add is that uh, we build a non-technical solution. So basically, if you have a person who knows the data but has no idea how to write even a single line of code, it's not a problem using a datum because... Pretty often, data analysts, they just, they know the data, but they can, uh, cannot write ETL scripts. And with this solution, it's, it's a no-code, right? You just press the, uh, the buttons on the UI and you automate this. It will save the time for the transformations, but also it will uh, make, give, give a chance for analysts to close this task without uh, going to IT and uh, getting their time and their attention. Is this like a visual drag and drop tool? So it's not drag and drop. It's basically we have it just uh, like one field uh, stands next to another field and there is a drop down and we also show the scores. Basically, the score is our system gives a score how confident it is in a choice. And even there is like a highlight. So green is uh, like a pretty big confidence. Yellow is somewhere in the middle confidence and red is uh, something that the system is not confident does it learn over time if, if someone keeps marking data as correct that the automations keep marking as incorrect it'll get frustrating <laughs> yes yeah it, it's a supervised learning ah so you have a bit more ai than just chat gpt yeah chat, chat gpt is used 
on the transformation side. Okay, so you're relatively new, but what's on the plan for the next six to 12 months? From the product perspective, basically like the backlog is rather big. <laughs> so the clients are bringing us uh, new and new ideas. Let's call it like this. He will tell us about the product development because he is the author of everything. Dmitry, tell us what will be new in the product in the next uh, several months. In the next several months, <laughs> we will conquer the world. Basically. How? Uh, uh, Dmitry is the founder and CEO different. of the company. No, I'm joking. <laughs> the idea of our the idea of our further development is to make data transformation seamless and invisible for the user at all. Yeah. And that's uh, that, <laughs> that's where we head into. Yeah. Right. So currently the like hot thing on the market is data marketplaces yeah. where people who own the data can form some data product for yeah. sale and the other people who want the data they, they can buy it and use it for whatever needs they are and currently every time you do this you need to somehow transform the data and without datum you do some manual stuff sometimes tackling with excel spreadsheets sometimes something more complicated sophisticated with Datum in its current form, it will be simpler. And we're having talks with some companies on this uh, area to build in our technology in their products. So users will be able to map their data or their data products themselves. Yeah. But the end goal in this direction, at least, is to make it seamless. So you see the data product you want to use and you just use it. You don't have to do anything manual in order to transform it. Ah, so if I have this Oracle database of customer data, but I want to use my SQL. Yeah, absolutely. It's not only the engine, it's structural things. Yeah. It's contextual thing. For example, in one database or in one data set, you have an address in a bulk form and in your recipient data model, you have it split into components like street name, zip code, blah, blah, blah. And everything should just work. Can the transformations be more nuanced? So, for example, as I check addresses, I could add lat long pairs or what three words coordinates, that kind of thing. Also, normalization of the data, especially in healthcare industry, it's very important. Currently, the whole world is trying to transform their data into some standard uh, specification. But everybody currently is using their own like coding systems for di diagnosis is more or less standardized, but everything else. I remember hearing about this ages ago. Is it something that begins with an F? Fire. Fire, yeah. yeah. Fire. Fire. F-H-I-R, but... Uh, but fire. Like, like English, English is fancy, especially when it goes to abbreviations. Fire gained first bulk of traction in the US yeah. and Canada. And uh, recently it started to spread in Europe yeah. and every, everybody is crazy about uh, at least assessing their databases to see if, how many gaps they have to fire standard. Yeah. And we, we are here to help them. Yeah, and that's actually not specifically a database. It's more of a standardized format like JSON and YAML schema, not a data source as such. Exactly, yeah. So Fire is actually started as an exchange format yeah. and currently all the main or mainstream 
uh, healthcare record systems, they provide APIs which are standardized by FHIR. The internal storage in this sense doesn't really matter when it comes to system-to-system -system communications, but it matters when you need to merge data from two different systems. And then suddenly you realize that it's two years of work for 10 people. Out of interest, if anyone wants to try Datum, is there a self-serve option or is it just talk to you? This is why we are raising the money. We want to make a sandbox available for everyone to try and play with. At the moment, it's very much stick to uh, we can make a demo and online. I'll make it for them. <laughs> All the trials. Yeah, we, we, we can make online demo, obviously, but uh, self-service demo, it takes a lot of effort to no, We're at Web Summit. We just sat near the uh, Ukrainian tech ecosystem, which is actually interesting to see in itself. Nestled amongst the, the Netherlands and Portugal, we have Ukraine, which is nice to see. Maybe that'll be more political placement at some point in the future. We'll see as well. What brings you to Web Summit and the pavilion, for want of a better word, in general? I just want to clarify, it's not a Ukrainian stand. It's a stand of app of Ukraine where we have all the digital documents in one app. It's called uh, DIA. So it's not... Uh, ID startup, which is like a government one, obviously, but we have all the documents, all the registration, everything that you can imagine we can do through this electronic app. Ukraine already signed a contract with Estonia, for example, so they want to do the same app. That was going to be my first question, because there are some other countries doing that, Estonia being one of them, the main ones. So I haven't seen them here yet, but I haven't looked at very much yet. So I don't think you actually work with them, but let's just go down this path for a little bit first, because you mentioned it. Why would someone want to use the service from another country instead of just making their own in-house, as it were, do you think? I think this app is actually a, a good example how you can use an app. Because I remember when first DIA came and Ukraine was like a bit shocked. Because in one hand, we have a lot of startups, a lot of IT, people want innovation. But on the other hand, is USSR fast. And after years, I remember I used to work for Austrian company and show like, hey, look at DIA. We have it's cool because it was COVID and we have everything connected to COVID in this app. And so this is so, something very cool. And this moment you realize, hey, we're actually doing something cool. So I think in these terms, it's not only talking about that Ukraine, despite of the war, fighting with like everything actually, but we're actually growing because now this app is a connection not only to show countries that, hey, you can do the same, you can have all the documentation in your app, you can have your passport in your app, you can have your domestic flights only with your app, and it's like secure, but we can help you to implement, to show with the example how you can do it. So I feel this is the main mission and also the main mission to stand. I'm just like having always a look to feel connected. Are you living in Ukraine at the moment? Or? I'm in Portugal. I moved because of the war. Yeah. But I just, I just wondered, like, what were your actual experiences using it? Yeah, of course. Everything that I have, actually, I have even latest experience using it. So I have all my documents there: my Ukrainian passport, my foreign passport, my tax number, all stuff that you can imagine. And lately, they asked me like about my address registration, but in Ukraine, I did it in a few seconds. It was just like I put in my email, I did it, and it's official document. I know, it was impressive for my Portuguese friends. You can imagine. As I say, I live in Germany, in Berlin, where you can't even get an appointment without sending it faxes. So it's a pipe dream. <laughs> anyway. 
most important thing is you can open your individual entrepreneur in this app. So you don't need to go anywhere. You can also do all your, like in, like when you go in some tax information, also through this app. This is interesting that you're placed so close to the Netherlands. I have a Dutch friend in Germany who was commenting on the fact the same thing, where he moved house in the Netherlands, just go online, done in 30 seconds. But Ukraine is a lot bigger than the Netherlands. What, just very quickly before we move on to, what do you think motivated the, the government to even go down this path with a pretty large population? The only other country that's bigger, that has something similar is probably India, which is way bigger. But Ukraine is still a lot bigger than the Netherlands. Like what motivated the government to want to do it in the first place? I think... I know that still many people would be impressed or would not understand why we are doing because we have so many problems. Let's be honest, okay? But this is a part of really new generation who want to fight. And this app and everything that we're doing too, it just shows that we're still able to do it. This is also a first uh, like step to fight the corruption too, because we understand it's a huge problem. I know everyone discussed it. I was on a session with Vladimir Klitschko that he discussed that it's a main question now. It's understandable. This is a first stage to show all the information clearly without any questions. Okay, cool. I'll have to go and check it out in a minute. But let's talk about Visivan, Visivan? Okay. Is, is that Portuguese-based or...? Is it actually a very interesting story. So it's a Ukraine-owned international company. So we have 800 people now all over the like world, you, where you can imagine Japan, Philippines, North, uh, South, North Korea. I just like, I was like, oh, it would be like confusing. No, South Korea. USA office, Canada, all over where you can imagine. We are working there. We're working with the pharma and life science. But what's interesting about this startup. It started in a Zhetomir city, which is not even Kiev, Lviv. The city that I know is that in small city from three people who was deeply believing the idea to save life by improving communications. And now, yeah, it's grow fast. I have all over colleagues all over the world. It's not only a Ukrainian company, but we proudly say that we are a Ukrainian company. And today also my colleague would be a moderating panels about Ukraine, talking also not only about health, but about different topics, just to highlight how important to have this environment where you can grow and show worth who you are. What do you mean by, so save lives by improving communication? What, what do you mean by that? The thing is, as I mentioned, it's a MarTech company service provider who works for pharma and life science. So, for example, imagine the most biggest names that you can have, for example, Bayer, Pfizer. They all need content to help doctors to have a communication with patients. It could be many different ones because we provide many different services. For example, we also have a platform where they can use it for content, but it's all about omnichannel. And I do believe it will be also a lot of talks about it, but how you can use content so you can use everywhere. And also obviously about AI. We know that Web Summit is about AI. We also about AI doesn't have to be there are other subjects to cover <laughs> yeah. Yeah. no one is interested okay. which is a shame in itself but this is a fact it's a little overused as a long-term technologist ai is a bit overused at the moment but it was a couple of years ago as blockchains whatever but 
the main questions that we discussed now, and also I talk a lot of with our CEO, that everyone say AI because it's catching your like eyes, but no one actually know. Like everyone expert in AI, but no one knows how to use. This is and the other thing is pharma and life science. They both like like conservative, so they really want be very careful with this, but. During the statistics, already 70% of them ready to use it or start to use it. And we also feel this need of them to use it. For example, it's also starting with the avatars, with implementing a fast search, because content is all about a lot of information and you need to understand how to use it. Were you working with the company in like 2020, 2021? I started working last year. This is what it, what it might have been like in, in those years, shall we say. But okay. You said pharma, saving lives, safe, et cetera, et cetera. I appreciate you don't want to answer this question, but pharma and med tech also can be good and bad. How do you work with that? Or is the company lucky enough to only pick situations when it's in agreement with what the company is doing? Or do you handle the good and the not so good that especially might go into I feel to be honest with you, that's probably also a communications need in some respects to, to handle situations like that. Do you mean my personal experience or do you mean that like in general in terms of company? I'll leave that up to you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the thing is I'm never thinking about uh, my company as a far or let's say service provider for pharma. Not only, okay, because obviously we work with this and but many people have a bit of negative context about it, let's be honest. Or maybe about it's something serious. You don't want to talk about it. It's not fun. It's not true. I work actually with a technology company, right? So we actually do soft. We do websites. We do content. We do everything that could be easily implemented by pharma companies. So my side of work, actually, for example, I'm head of PR. So I work everything with media, with events, meeting cool people, as you saw. I'll be honest and it's all about actually to share in technologies and also to know more about technologies why i'm mentioning ai not about like pharma not about vaccines okay it's actually not my part my part is all about to say like how you can use content and how you can easily implement this content in your life and also in terms of company for example i speak for my company okay so it's more about look it's actually not that difficult look, you can do this stuff very easily. Let us do it and you will do your stuff. So this is all about it. On that, you did say that they tend to be quite conservative and there are reasons for that. Of course, med tech, pharma, it has to go through processes and we probably wouldn't want it any other way. In some respects, what you're dealing with is the quote unquote easier side for them because it's not about the regulatory side. It's about the communication. But do you ever have to convince them to... That communicating in a more modern, different way and a looser way maybe is, is a good thing? Or are they just as conservative when it comes to that side of things? I do believe, I deeply do believe that it, no one is too conservative. Some people just need a bit of explanation. So many companies, they actually need more information and it's all about it. And it's also some stuff that I need and my department right need to cover. So the people need to know a bit more what does it mean. Because actually many people don't know what is the omni-channel. 
Okay, so they just like a bit confused. Or for example, even AI. Everyone like said, okay, omni-channel AI, all this stuff. You can repeat it, but you actually sometimes don't understand what you're talking about. So it's more about deep connection between you and clients. This is the first stage. I would not speak that much about clients, let's be honest, because like I still feel a bit from a different side. But in terms of communications that I see from our part, it's more about to show information as easy as you can. And also, as uh, also my part is a content, just to show that, hey, it's not difficult. It just, it could be actually very interesting. It actually could be some room to improvement, but in a way we actually can lead you. We can help you, right? Or just ask us a question. This is, I do believe the normal communication and it will be, um, many people say, oh, it's not a B2B, B2C. It's now people to people. And it's something all about it. That's a very uh, PR uh, answer. <laughs> people to people. Very good, very good. <laughs> How free are you in this communication, in, in helping them communicate in that there's things you might want them to say, but due to your regulation and government and, and things like that, they may not be able to say that. How challenging is that balance of working with good PR versus what they're actually allowed to say? I would say you should not think about PR as free or not free. You should think about rooms where you can talk and discuss the topics that you could not... I wouldn't say you could not talk, okay? But true, pharma has a lot of regulations and AI regulation and ethics. It's like very big question. Only lately we had a few podcasts with our CEO. She only was talking about it and everyone wants to know it. Like, hey, can we do it? Can we do it? I would say you still need to find your way and pharma should not talk about everything. You should not like actually cross these borders because many people think that, oh, we have so many regulations, you should not do anything. It's not the case, okay? You should do what you feel that your strategy, your content strategy, your strategy as a company allow, not allow you, but will lead you to a better results. I feel that it was also a very PR answer, but like still. I'll read between the lines. It's fine. Um, <laughs> but also uh, coming back to that, like on a global scale, how much do you have to change this communication style? Like the thing that always strikes me is when you're in America, you see these ads for medication and there's always like 30 seconds of legal pre-ramble like after the advert, which always I find strange. This medication does this for you. And then they have 30 seconds of legal stuff they have to say. And in other countries, it's one other thing. And in other countries, they're going to say this and that and this and that. How much challenge does this add to giving like a global message when you have all these different ways it also has to be handled in, in different regions? I still believe that you need to respect it, okay? Because you have a lot of, yeah, working. Yeah, exactly. First of all, yeah, let's not talk about illegal stuff. Obviously, it's a very important thing. But sometimes you should not, I know it's all about simplify, be very easygoing, blah, 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 all this stuff. Pharma is pharma, okay? And it's beauty of it, actually. Pharma and life science, yes, it's deeply regulated. Yes, it's difficult for many people, even to be honest, like for, it's not difficult, but like still has a, a lot of things that you need to clarify. But this is actually a purpose of our company, right? To help it, to do as much as we can. But I would say it's more individual questions. You could not say globally, because working with the APAC region, working with North America region, with Europe region, you just sometimes could not compare them. They like have absolutely difficult way to do business and also to do a content. 
And just to clarify a couple of small things just for people who aren't in this space, I think most people know what pharma and pharmaceuticals are. What is life sciences? It's also a company who, let's like, I will answer like very simply because I actually switched to pharma and life science in some way, as I mentioned, like technology, but still it's pharma and life science also last year. And first I was so confused because it was so a lot of information and you feel you know something about pharma, but actually don't know nothing. So in these terms, I would say this is a company who works really close by because life science is all about and connected all around. So it could be also some companies that helps pharma or some companies who also develops something to be as supporters of them. But it could be, you will find a lot of different definitions. And in these terms, it's just more about to show in our clients that we not only concentrate on this specific one, right? Because it could be pharma agencies, for example, that also helping them. And they're looking for like some uh, exp- uh, content experience platform that would easily, that would help them to work with. Okay. Uh, so in the pharma life sciences, I think I know what your answer is going to be, but what excites you the most at the moment in the space? I actually was thinking about it because one of my friends they asked me like why are you working with this right you could work with so much fun fun stuff right because many yeah exactly because like you're doing it just for money right because many people think that like many people who work with b2b they actually don't feel a connection with this one and for me, first of all, I was working with B2B all my life. So for me, it was always exciting. It's not about it. It's all about the businesses who can you actually talk. This is the first one. Pharma is lifestyle and it's very close to you. You Sometimes you don't understand, but it's always around you, especially being from Ukraine and see what's happening now. We, of course, like talk about war, about fights and all this stuff, but we understand the different part, how we need to heal people, right? How we need to help them. And this is a big mission that we have. I mentioned it before, improving life, but by communication, it's all about helping people. And the most impressive thing for me was lately, actually, our CEO taught actually found a courage to talk about her story, about breast cancer surviving story. I didn't know it. For me, it was shocking. I, I even take some time like to process all this information because I know Natalia is our CEO and she's like the most motivated person, the most I don't know, energetic, right? Like the person who would always take attention for. And while sharing her personal story, I had a talk with her and she said, I know why I'm doing it, because I know how everything is connected to us. And then when I started thinking about it, I was thinking like, okay, but I know this person who were fighting this person. It's not about like fights that cancer fights, but we all connected to pharma. And it's also like, I even have a bit of like goosebumps now because it's actually something that I realized, okay, but a bit of peace of ours, like in some medicines, which just help someone with the pain. So I think this is something beautiful about it. Coming a little bit full circle to where we started this conversation with the the booth over here, obviously a lot of the focus on helping Ukraine at the moment is on the aggressive side, weapons and and things like that. Is there much funding and contributions given on the healing side as well, like field hospitals and, and things like that? 
Yes, this is a simple question. Answer to this question, yes. And we need it really much, actually, because, of course, we are concentrated. Yes, we need to fight. This is not a secret, okay? We also... But the other thing is we have a lot of people who need help after it. And I'm not even talking about soldiers, and I'm not talking about people who were in this fight directly, but also people who struggling with mental health issues, people who struggling because they were under occupation, because they have actually a lot of different like stuff that they should handle, women, children, just people who regularly live, older people because they lost their houses. So it's actually very deep question and fortunately very heavy one and it's connected to everyone. I know personal and actually had a pleasure to work with a person who helping a veterans who lost their legs or they're like part of their body and talking with him actually i didn't know it when we met okay and when we i discovered it it's like how you can do it because it takes so much of your energy of your mental health and he said i feel my mission about it he don't want to talk about it he said, no, I know that I'm just doing the right thing. I do believe, I deeply do believe that he is. And I met also people whom he helped, which is also was feeling so like moments, like special moment. But yes, we need it. We will do everything that needs us to help our people. And also this is a thing we need to win this war, not only as a territories. Okay. This war is not about territories. This war about win as a nation to show that hey yes we have a courage to work because all these IT companies all the people that Ukrainian people that you meet today they did first of all as I mentioned I live in Portugal but my colleagues was did all the way from Ukraine because their husband my colleagues too from Ukraine they could not leave Ukraine men could not leave Ukraine now so we need to present Ukraine to show that hey we not like want to pity you us right we don't need it we not, don't need this word we want to show you that hey we're doing it we need your money to invest in us you should like believe in us because despite all the war despite all this experience that like my actually colleagues handle every day without electricity without water without everything they go to calls with the other clients where they all over the world and say yeah everything is great your strategy will be done your content will be done everything will be done on time and you know that you need to you can rely on us and you know that you need to invest in us and you need to help us not only with the words this is unfortunately like sad truth many people support ukraine but not ready to continue working with the ukraine continue working with the ukrainians because oh you know you will be in bomb shelter when it will be important meeting but you need to support ukrainians by doing not something okay but by simple actions so like yes we believe in you yes we will continue working with you and this is also a part of the my company i would say because we have 300 people through 800 people who work in ukraine who work in a different parts of ukraine and still contributing to a company that works worldwide and those were my interviews with irina dimitri and anna Recorded live at Web Summit back in Lisbon in November 2023 when I last saw warm weather. And I think many of us had, and I think the last time many of us at that event saw warm weather. 
Anyway, what's news from me? So first I released a video and a blog version of the video on transcription tools for podcasters and video makers, content creators, anyone working with audio and video. It's something I wanted to try for some time because I kept having options to look at myself and I wanted to weigh them up and decide whether what I was using was the right decision for me. So head on over to YouTube or christianchiller.com slash blog to see, to read my conclusions. Also on videos, I added something a little bit different in my more creative video vein, which is something I'll be doing more of over the coming months. That was a <laughs> slightly strange video I put together of a creepy World War II trench I found on the outskirts of Berlin, complete with a little bit of music I added and some live field recording from that that has been moderately popular it's not my usual content but still on the subject of not my usual content i have mentioned that i've been working sort of soft release of a new podcast and episode two of that will be out very soon and that is currently called we may actually change it but you should be able to find it it is called whiskey and waffle it's with me and a fellow writer here in berlin called mustafa keksin it's very different from the type of content you get here. We basically drink whiskey, we talk about it, and we talk about what's been happening to us in the past few weeks. And that's basically it. So if you feel like another odd couple type podcast fueled by whiskey, then yeah, open up your podcast tool of choice, search for whiskey and waffle. And one of the reasons we may change that is there's another podcast with a very similar name, but it should be obvious which one I'm talking about and, and have a listen. I'm currently editing together my next collection of flash fiction along with video and audio versions of that, as well as finishing up a book and putting in the initial thoughts towards a new book, which is slowly getting confirmed by a publisher. So more on that soon. I won't tell you any more until... Everything's been signed, but it hopefully is going ahead. So that's some other news from me. On the video front, I'm working on... I did have a video a little while ago on Docker desktop alternatives, but I wanted to broaden that out into some newer options and also doing more of a practical kind of medium to longer term hands-on with each tool. That's something I'm working on. And... Also, I am going to be restarting some gaming videos in the coming weeks, so keep an eye out for those too. So, yeah, as always, lots of progress, but they're starting to develop now we're in the new year and less travel and there's nothing else to do in these cold days, so I might as well carry on making more content. I have been Christian Schiller. As always, you can find more about me at christianschiller.com. Go to slash support on that website to find out ways to sponsor what I do to support what I do was very helpful and I'll be back next time I always don't really like to say next week because that's not always the case but I'll be back next time with another chinchilla squeaks thank you very much for joining me everybody and take care see you next time I hope you enjoyed the show find out more about me at chrischinchilla.com where you can find show notes sign up for my newsletter and find all of my writing games, work, and video links. There's also details on how to get in touch with me. And if you want to get even closer to what I do, join my Discord server for behind-the-scenes discussions and helping me produce my shows and work.